Welcome to the Metaphysical Martini Show, where wit and wisdom come together to bridge the gap between the spirit realm and the physical world. With Ani Abadisian, the Suburban Shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio. Hello everyone, I'm Ani Abadisian. Welcome to Metaphysical Martini. Three parts spirit, one part rational mind. Add two drops of optimism, give it all a good hard shake and pour, dress it with the olives of grace and empathy, sit back, sip slowly, and contemplate the wonder of cosmic creation. And a hearty hello to everyone out there. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for joining us for yet another round of cocktails on this week's Metaphysical Martini, the show that tries to sort out what's true, what's woo, and what gets flushed down the loo in today's censored, polarized, compromised, and ill-advised little world. We try to do this with as much grace and empathy as can be mustered on any given day. We are not always successful, I'll admit that. But we are honor bound to give it our best shot. And on this show, the Metaphysical Martini Show, we do love shots. Yes, we do. Our rally cry is awaken, oh my people. Do not follow the path of the sheeple and do not give our God cause to weeple. If you are joining us for the first time, a very warm welcome to you. Our goal here is to help we the people reclaim our minds from decades of perceptual engineering. We don't do politically correct on this show because we see it as yet another social conditioning experiment by the establishment designed to erode our intellect and make us all too fragile, too sensitive and too feeble minded to engage in honest and frank discussion. We are, however, fans of common decency, common courtesy, and our old friend who has been on vacation far too long, common sense. We have no investment in partisan affiliations because we know how the world works. You pick a side and in no time at all, you are adjusting your individualized thought forms, your inspired inner guidance system to fit the party's perspective. And that's when the world ends up going to hell in a handbasket. And there are a lot of handbaskets running around all over town today. So I'll just say you probably won't enjoy this show if you think solely as a Democrat or as a Republican or as a green person or as some other thing in a box. On the rare occasion we support the contribution of one pompous politician over another, it has nothing to do with which party they choose to party with. The two-party system is a crock. Both parties are broken. The globalists have bought out all but a tiny handful of political panderers, and we cry in shame every four years as the once great and hopefully soon to be great again American people fall for the same old donkey and elephant farts masquerading as a breath of fresh air. We martini heads are vocal about our love for America and her sacred purpose, which is of course unity through diversity, which will never be achieved until deep state ideology is exposed and dismantled. And that means, well, you know, it means it needs more than a breath of fresh air. It needs, what does it need? It needs the mighty winds of change. And those started gusting back in 2015, 2016, when POTUS 45 and the Patriots made the commitment to clean house. And oh boy, oh boy, Joe Public, we are all in for a surprise, I think, because every day another quote unquote conspiracy theory is acknowledged to be a conspiracy fact. Don't you find it interesting that given the extent of systemic pedophilia in places high and low, no one in government until 2016 showed any interest in investigating these horrific practices? Why is that, do you think? 
why would you not want to investigate multiple accusations of rape, sodomy, satanic ritual, and other abominable acts of brutality against children and adults? Well, I think the answer's simple. Because you would not want to implicate yourself or your benefactors. Not everyone who knows about these practices engages in them directly. But bribery and blackmail play a big part in the cover-up. It's all coming out now. But so many people don't know. A staggering amount of money changes hands. And with very few exceptions, everyone has a price. And the people who create money, the establishment, quite literally out of thin air, all they have to do is to find your price and ta-da, kaboom, here's your cash, take it and shut up, because if you don't, it's a short trip from your cash to your casket. We have talked about this for years, we martini heads, long before we were martini heads. Did anyone listen? No, not really. And why was that, I wonder? Was it because the truth was too odious? Well, it is odious, but... Is that the reason? I advise checking our sensitivity meters and checking them often. We came down to earth from heaven, so to speak, to affirm truth, not to avoid it, even if it's illusionary truth. Everything on a physical realm is illusionary. We didn't come to avoid it. We didn't come to cover it up, no matter how painful. Because if you do that, it's a bit like living in a pretty little house that has no foundations. Instead, it's floating on a swamp filled with sewage. It's only a matter of time before the house tips over and the sewage pours in. That is what deep state ideology has done to the American dream. And that is why we are draining the swamp. Okay, my darlings, let's move on to quick questions, answers and comments the reason we started the show, to hear what you, the peeps, have to say. We want to get peeps out of you peeps. If you would like to share the contents of your fabulous minds on our fabulous show, then send us an email at oni at oniavidician.com or snail mail to Cosmic Oni, P.O. Box 714, Wilsonville, like the tennis racket, Oregon, 97070, America the Beautiful. And please let us know if and how you would like to be identified, because if you do not, we will err on the side of caution, something we rarely do on this show, and omit your personal details. All right, let's take a look in our fishbowl. And our first question comes from, well, I guess it comes from omit personal details, who says, with precise brevity, I might add, Dear Arnie, Space Force, good or bad, used for beneficial disclosure or for evil, please inform. You know, whoever you are, you're my kind of person. So, Space Force, hmm. The creation of a Space Force was inevitable. I mean, new, highly advanced, safe technology serving the betterment of mankind will come from races more advanced than ours. You know, those who have been standing by for quite a while now, waiting for us Earthlings to get our butts into gear. So POTUS 45's Space Force is preparing for that scenario. I mean, let's not pretend we haven't had contact with extraterrestrials. We have, going back, well, thousands of years actually, but certainly in recent history, going back to the late 40s and 50s. That's not a conspiracy theory, that's a, a fact. So while POTUS's uh, Space Force is all for the good <clears throat> of mankind, there will of course be attempts to discredit it. There will be, I think, fallacious ensign extraterrestrial attacks. In fact, I'm personally expecting one any day because that's about the one thing they haven't played on us yet. So should this happen, people, just go home, lock the doors, stay home until it's over. The deep state peeps are getting more nervous with each passing day because we, the peeps, are shifting in consciousness. 
and waking from our deep state-induced slumber. If we think about how far our technology has advanced in, say, the last 150 years, it's pretty remarkable, isn't it? Now, take that and think quantum leap and imagine what the next 150 years have to offer. It is exciting. So to recap on your question, nameless person, um, for peeps who want to live in love and freedom and harmony, Space Force, good. For those who want to keep us subjugated and living in uh, an illusion as Epsilon Semi-Moron, Space Force, bad. So thank you for your question. We will be hearing a lot more about Space Force once we Earthlings have decided whether we want to live in the light or the dark. And if we want to live in the dark, you won't be seeing Space Force. You'll be seeing bad Space Force. If you want to live in the light, you have no idea what wonders we will behold. All right, let's take another question from Penny, who lives in Florida. Dear Annie, I have friends who claim to be knowledgeable on all matters spiritual. No comment on that. That is what they tell me. Penny, we all have a few of those friends. Penny continues. They say the earth is going to be split into a higher consciousness and a lower consciousness. They see it as a physical split as in there will be two planets, both Earth. Does this resonate with you? I can't see it happening, but then again, who knows anything, right? Well, there is that, of course, Penny. Who knows anything? <laughs> we all think we know something. Uh, Penny, I don't think Gaia is going to take a deep breath and physically split in two anytime soon. The split is happening. It's one of awareness, and there are definitely more than two levels of that. Because if we look around us now, well, several splits in consciousness are evident. I mean, 100 people react to process and describe the same event in 100 different ways, as seen through the filter of their state of cosmic awareness or lack thereof. That's nothing new. I think the two-part split that people are talking about and misinterpreting is the split between those who wish to continue being dependent on the matrix, the grid, the system, and those who wish to live in harmony with Gaia. So if you understand Agenda 21 and all the other United Nations population control mechanisms, you'll know that the establishment's plan is to have all humans live in densely populated urban areas with no access to nature. Food, water, shelter, internet, some sort of stipend, or considered necessities of life would be given to us, monitored by microchips in our bodies, in return for our compliance. What would be denied to us is access to nature. It would be illegal to grow our own food, to fish, to hunt, to spend a day at the beach, for little kids to catch frogs, to splash about in muddy puddles, the things that make us human. Our connection to Gaia feeds us. It also gives her a purpose. That's the split. That's what we are fighting for right now. And it's possible, because all things are possible, because who knows anything, right? But it's possible that some of these smart cities will be built and populated, even in the time of awakening, and people will have the choice to live as digital dependent automatons or as free humans. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, it has happened on other planets, this type of split with various outcomes. There's the people on the matrix. They want to live on the matrix. But what happens is... More often than not, they become sterile, and not just emotionally, but they become infertile, unable to breed, unable to procreate. We've seen that for, on other planets. Um, meanwhile, those who chose to live on the land thrived. And then without automatons using and feeding the grid, the grid collapsed, making the free humans the majority. And of course, there are many other scenarios to that. Um, you know, on other planets, the two worlds lived apart and evolved on the same planet at differing levels of consciousness, 
with minimal disruption for eons. All sorts of outcomes are possible. And who's to say how it will play out? But here's the key word, my darlings, choice. If we're given no choice, that is not acceptable. For example, if people want to be injected with needless and toxic substances, it's a free will universe. And if God won't stop them, why should I? But if they insist I do as they do, then my darlings, we have a problem of megagalactic proportions. You know, Penny, I think for all of us, it would be easier if the planet duplicated, wouldn't it? All those who want the grid, the inoculation, and don't care much about thinking for themselves, um, you know, want the internet and all of those things, go move to the new version. And all those who are up for a bit of adventure and want to write their own story, just stay put. Because you can still have some sort of grid. You don't have to give up the internet. You just don't have to be completely dependent on it. Choice. It's all about choice. If they take away choice, not good. Thanks, Penny. Good question. Um, yes, this split. I hear about this all the time. Good question. Thank you. Thank you. And on to our other question. We have a lot of questions. We are awash in questions. I think I'll be able to get everything in on the show. Um, when I started the show, I thought an hour was a very long time. Uh, and now I think sometimes maybe it's not enough. So we'll see. However, I won't be doing longer podcasts. <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, should I read this one? Should I not read this one? Um, I'm going to read this one. And I, I actually had to talk to one of my legal people about reading this one. Uh, here's a letter from an incredibly angry chap who gave me his name, but I will not share it for my own reasons. And I'm going to summarize the content of his email because I don't draw the line at much. You know, I'm not really one to censor, but profanity, violence, extremes and rudeness, eh, that might be a good place to start for public consumption. So this chap sent me a very uncivil rant with regard to my last Monday message, which is my monthly newsletter. It comes out once a month on the first Monday of each month. So um, I open with some comments and then I plug my services bas basically and write some funny stuff. So my opening comments last month were about the macaroni cheese pandemic. And he was mightily triggered by my perspective, especially by the comments, quote, has every third person you know, nay, every 10th person you know, dropped dead from this contagion? Close brackets. Uh, my suggestion being, of course, that this is not a pandemic of biblical proportions, but a mechanism for population subjugation and control. And he was triggered mightily because, according to the medical community, a dear friend of his died from macaroni. So I get a lot of hate mail, I guess, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and assume that this is not hate mail and that you are someone who is genuinely grieving and you're telling the truth and not just another bored or terrified troll with nothing better to do. I hope your friend was received in light on the other side. Grieving is a deeply personal process and no one's words can soothe you when one is actually grieving because it is a messy process. And I'm sorry for you to lose a good friend. That said, you were triggered and you lashed out and you had no good reason to. My perspective is a global perspective. My words are carefully chosen and easy to understand when one is operating from a balanced state of mind. Is your dear and departed friend one in three or one in 10 in your immediate circle who have lost their lives to macaroni? If indeed that was a correct diagnosis, because we know they admitted they lied about the numbers, they lied about the cause of death. Did I say the contagion was not real? No, I did not. I said the contagion did not present as a pandemic because it does not. Now, you have every right to disagree with me, and I have no problem with that. I disagree with most people most of the time. 
But the caustic nature of your letter leads me to believe that I have no right in your mind to disagree with you, and that is not acceptable. If you wrote this and sent it out while seething with anger, without having read it properly, without stepping back and visiting it once you had cooled down, grieving or not, that is immature. And given the nature of your comments, it could be construed as a threat to my person. If you sent it out to shut down my narrative, that is never going to happen because I love this world far too much to let the demons of anger, rage and fear shut me down. In my line of work over the last four decades or so, I have sat with more sick people, held more hands with the dying, grieved with more families and counseled more angry young men then you've probably had hot dinners. You, sir, have no idea who I am, what I do, and what I've been through. So if your violent vitriolic remarks are a result of grieving, I hope you find a grief counselor as soon as possible. If it's just the way you roll, I hope you have people around you who can get you the help you need. People, please check your emotional triggers it's a gauge for mental health. And before you lash out at someone, read what they have written several times. Take some deep breaths. Try to understand what it is that they are writing. You're triggered by something that's in your energy anatomy, in your history. They don't know who you are. How could it possibly be directed at you? Please don't pour fuel onto your own fire deep breaths we'll all get through this and on the other side we will be glad we did so thank you for that letter let's take another one let's shake up my fishbowl which doesn't really have fish in it of course because that would be terrible if i was putting all these things into the fishbowl so let's shake up the non-fish fishbowl and see what pops up all right there's another one from somebody who didn't tell me if they wanted to be Identified, so it's from Omit Personal Details, who asks, Arnie, that's me, how do you not go overboard when you are an empath? I feel like a radio that has lost its style. This comes up a lot because that's exactly what you are. <laughs> the first step in not going overboard when you are an empath is understanding your energy anatomy, what it is, what it looks like, and how it works. Now, there are many ways to do this, many schools of thought, East and Western, everything in between. But I say start with learning what the aura is, what the chakras and the nadis are, and how they operate. That way, you become familiar with your personal operating system. You will also need to practice, yes, here it comes, breathing meditation daily to keep your operating system functioning within manufacturer's default specifications. So if you start with that, your radio will reinstall its dial. Now, how much work you want to put into this is up to you, but doing this much will at least make sure you understand the etheric anatomy and through breathing meditation, you will know the difference between outside noise and conditioning and your personal higher inner guidance system. That's pivotal, that's key. Who are the voices in my head? Why do they say the things they said? Are they mine or are they yours? Oh my God, someone shut these doors. Being an empath is not something special or unmanageable. So there's no need to be overwhelmed. You just need to learn what it is and how to manage it. And if you need pointers for reading material, drop me a line and I will happily send you my suggestions. All right, working through the fishbowl. Let's have another question. All right, Ani, that's me. You mentioned in one of your recent salons that you have worked with sociopaths and the criminally insane. Unfortunately, the conversation quickly changed direction and I was not able to stay behind to question you further. Do you have any success treating these groups? If you did, I would like to book a private session with you and discuss this. 
I remember that salon. You weren't the only one who couldn't get a word in edgeways. Um, it was my salon and I couldn't get a word in edgeways. Um, to clarify, and in the interests of a brevity, because this is such a long-winded subject, I have studied sociopaths and I have worked with people who are permanently insane, not temporarily insane, who have committed criminal acts. Now, under the law, that may not be the same as the four types of criminal insanity one must prove in an American court of law. <clears throat> I think that has more to do with temporary insanity and or an inability to understand the consequences of your actions and varying degrees thereof. So both these groups were of great interest to me as an energy worker because both have lost their access pathway to their true being, their soul, and therefore can feel no empathy, no discomfort, no remorse for their actions. The work I was involved in with, um, with these groups was with regard to rewiring their human interface to accept their divine nature and, and to merge back with it. In, in my experience, the only thing one can do to make a sociopath uncomfortable is to reconnect them with empathy. It is very unfamiliar and it throws them for a loop. Uh, was I successful? I mean, I wasn't alone. Success was mixed, I would say, and the project I was part of didn't have its funding renewed. I, I thought we were onto something and with more time, we could have made major breakthroughs. I'm sure of that. And I always did say, when I retire, I'll revisit this project on my own dime. We'll see about that. Um, but by all means, call and set up a private session. I'll do my best to answer your questions and be as useful as I can. The project was not classified, uh, even though it was what we do call an X-file, so we're good. We can't talk about the project, but we can discuss the content. Isn't that interesting? Can't talk about the project, what it was called, where it was done, who funded it, but we can discuss the content if we don't mention any of those names. So thank you for that question. Whew. Let me have a little sip of this drinky poo. It's currently 96 degrees Fahrenheit here in my part of Oregon. And in my office where I record this show, um, it's probably something like 120 because I have to turn off all the fans so there's no background noise. So a lot of ice in my drinky poo today. All right. Let's, oh yes. Here's one that is not in my fishbowl because I get I get this question. This is one of those questions I receive weekly on and on um, from many people. Um, and it has to do with connecting with people who have moved on to the other side. And it goes something along like this. How do I contact my mother, father, sibling, friend, person I want on the other side? I catch glimpses of them in my dreams. I sense their presence in waking life too, but as soon as I engage, they are gone. Well, of course you could contact a reputable medium, uh, but I know that can be cost prohibitive. The other way is to <gasps> develop your own intuition. How would that be? Oh, it would be wonderful. Um, it won't happen overnight, but a little dedication and perseverance and, uh, you know, and also it's free. So here's some tips. For those of you to, uh, you know, who see these people in their dream state, what you want to do is better remember your dreams. So before you go to sleep, take a few deep breaths and say three times, I will remember my dreams. I will be coherent and interactive in my dreams. My sleeping dreams are a natural extension of my waking dreams. I will remember my dreams. I will be coherent and interactive in my dreams and you keep doing the deep breathing until you fall asleep so you know you'll get in touch with them in your dreams if you have convinced yourself that your dream state your sleeping dream state because it's all a dream state we're dreaming now i'm awake in this realm but i'm outside of source energy potential so it's a dream everything outside source energy potential is a dream Right now, it's a waking dream. When we go to bed, it's a sleeping dream. And it's much easier to interact with people in a sleeping dream 
because you don't feel that there are any physical consequences, you see. So try that, and you will be interactive in your dream. You'll be able to say, oh, my God, Grandma, I can see you. Hello, where are you? How are you doing? Um, the other thing you asked, yet yeah, to get in touch with someone on the other side, not necessarily when you're sleeping, well, you know, you can, of course, just talk to them, because intention, thought, you know, thought is the fastest form of intelligence transfer. But if you're un unfamiliar with the concept, I, I understand that, and we do use tools so that we develop a sense of familiarity, and then eventually we don't need the tools anymore. So here's something that will help you get comfortable. It's called the spiritual telephone. Create a room in your mind that you will use only for interdimensional communication. Keep it simple. Just don't go and decorate it from Habitat Conran or something. Just a comfortable chair, a table with a telephone equipped with a voicemail. That's it. So you go into your room, you sit down, and you affirm in your own words that all messages sent and received are channeled through the light, the light, and only the light. You pick up your phone and you dial 1-800 and type in the name of your party. So 1-800-SPIRIT-GUIDE, 1-800-JOE, 1-800-BETTY, whoever you're trying to reach. You'll hear a click. And the system will tell you to leave your message for your party now. So you go ahead and record your message. And when you're done, hang up because the message will be delivered. And when you want to check your voicemail for responses from your party, or for that matter, any messages from spirit guides, angels, God, anyone on the other side, on all the other sides, the lighted other sides, you just go back into your room, affirm the light, press the button that says check voicemail, and listen to your voicemail. You may just get static at first or incomplete messages, but in time, as you develop a sense of familiarity and take it for granted that the system works, you will get clear messages. And then, one day, you'll go there and before you press the voicemail button, you'll just sit there for a minute and the phone will ring. It will ring and you'll pick it up and your friend or whoever you want to speak to is going to be on the other side. They're going to get to call you because you have made this room a safe place for interdimensional communication. And once you've done that for a bit, guess what? You're not going to need the room anymore. You can just chat directly. It's simple. It's safe. It's pretty darn cool. Sometimes we have to use a few little tools to trick our minds. We're such insecure beings, aren't we? No need to be, really. But it's also fine to use these tools until you get to a place. After all, when we all learned to ride a bike, we had those little training wheels. That was a good thing. All right, let's take another question. Uh, la, 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 la. Let's take this one. <clears throat> okay. Uh, ah, yes, you know what? I'm not going to take that question. I don't want to answer that question today. Um, I'm going to pick another one of those questions that we get a lot of. So uh, I'm going to pracy it. What makes you think we have reached critical mass in the awakening department, Arnie? I see no evidence of this. People are still refused entry into shops unless they wear the mind control device. Millions have lost their jobs. Depression is at an all-time high. Food prices are increasing. And Putin, who you say is a hero for keeping the evil banking cartels out of his country, has okayed a vaccine. Where is the mass awakening? Whew, what a question. Let me have a sip of my drinky poo. And it is so hot in my room, all the ice has melted. <clears throat> okay, look. All of you who have, you know, write in with variations of this question, I will tell you where I see evidence of mass awakening. Mass censorship, media censorship, the voice of we the people is censored. They, the establishment, are jumping through hoops to censor anything outside the mainstream narrative. 
I myself have been banned, I'm very proud of this, been banned many times from Facebook, you know, from posting for 24 hours at a time. Because you can't mention anything that they think is domestic terrorism. You can't mention human trafficking. You can't share potentially life-saving medical information. All the things that are really important for the awakening. All of this apparently goes against their community standards, which apparently were modeled on the Third Reich's community standards. When they jump through hoops to shut us down, it's because we the people have woken up and we the people have started to question the establishment's motives. And about bloody time too, if I may say so, people are finally figuring out the purpose behind the masks. Hint, it has nothing to do with contagions and everything to do with muzzling free speech. If you have not figured that out yet, I'm sure you will at some point. Yes, depression is on the rise, and that's never a good thing, but it is forcing people to reevaluate something fundamental. That would be the meaning of life. When your free will is taken from you, illusionary or not, you suddenly find yourself motivated to ask, who am I? What am I doing here? Really? Is this life? Is this what I want? How do I extricate myself from this situation? And how do I help others to do the same? So there's another side to that. It also is helping um, couples to figure out why they married each other in the first place, now that they're spending more time together. And it's forcing parents to listen to their children and vice versa. Food prices are rising, yes, you're right. Food prices are rising, but on the flip side, never before have so many taken an interest in vegetable gardening. All over town, I see lettuce, kale, peppers, tomatoes, beans, onion, and chard growing in people's gardens and on their balconies. Seeds for microgreens are on back order. I know this because we grow them at home. People have figured out that dependence on the state equals being controlled by the state. And food is always used to control the people. Now, as for Putin, the man who fought tooth and nail to stay in power, because had he not, the filth that is the establishment banking cartel would have taken over his country. No way in heck is he going to enjoy, uh, inject, he might enjoy, he won't inject his people with poison. He won't. He hasn't come this far just to turn around and, you know, change sides. Now, I'm not privy to the content of that particular inoculation, but it will be harmless. It will be harmless. And I'm sure others will agree with me on this. And as with everything, the truth will be told in the end. It's this Russian vaccine. It's probably a mixture of um, Stolichnaya vodka, pickle juice, and a goodly dose of vitamin B12. My darlings, I know the official fight against the establishment started in 2015-16, but I assure you a great deal was planned prior to that. The movement to restore our country from the hands of Luciferian globalists is well underway. And even though the fighting behind the scenes is quite literally of biblical proportions and dirty with bells on, I see the great illumination gain daily in radiance. Every time they enforce another draconian measure, the more they spread this censorship, they're terrified. They're terrified of our awakening. And I've said this before, and I will say it a million times before we get to the other side of this, no matter how hard POTUS and the Patriots fight for our sovereignty, the war against this illusionary evil will be won in the trenches by Joe and Jane Main Street, USA. It's a war on our minds, not a war fought with guns. Do you know why? Because we all have guns, millions and millions of guns, and no one in their right mind, note the use of the phrase in their right mind, would go door to door to enforce draconian measures, knowing there might be a Mossberg or a Remington or a Beretta behind each closed door. The only reason the establishment would disarm us is because they want to do something to us we would like to shoot them for. <laughs> Check your history books and hold on to your guns. We all pray. 
that we will use them only for recreational purposes. But without them, we are toys for the bad guys to play with. And I don't know about you, but I am no one's toy. The Second Amendment is not about guns. It is about our ability to fight against tyranny. Look back through history. When all the populations are disarmed, what happens next? There's an attempt for whatever their version of New World Order takeover is. Look it up, check it out, and um, learn how to field strip your weapons, I suppose. All right, um, is that a wrap for question and answer? I think probably it is. Um, we have so many, but uh, we have to stop. So we're stopping. So thanks to everyone who wrote in. Keep them coming because it gives me a reason to go on living. And now it's time for everyone's favorite section. Do 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 do. Plato chips, where we quote and take note of a philosopher of note. Oh, I need a drinky poo. Mm. That's not bad, you know. I could go um. No, only one, only one, only one. That's all you need, just one. Okay, right. Today's pick is Diogenes. Yes, Diogenes, 404 to 323 before Common Era, also known as Diogenes the Cynic. Who was this chap and why do we care? <clears throat> well, for starters, he was quite colorful. Um, he was very antisocial. He was all about austere living, self-denying. He was a philosopher who lived in a barrel, or it could have been a bathtub, it depends. There's a, people don't know quite how to translate that word. And this chap rejected all the norms of civilized behavior. Sounds like my kind of guy. And he's usually portrayed as almost naked and unkempt with a long hair and a beard and possibly had B.O. It, uh, it was widely known. <laughs> Ugh that he urinated, defecated, and masturbated in public to show his contempt for the conventions of society. And the caricatures of him in later life often include a lighted lamp, which he is said to have carried even in the daytime, and he went around for his futile search of an honest man. But it seems to me that his history is as unkempt as he was. His details are really sketchy. We don't really know much about him. He was a citizen of Sinop, which is a port city on the Black Sea in Turkey. Uh, there were reports that he was exiled and moved to Athens because he and his father somehow adulterated the Sinopian currency, but no one really seems to know what form that took. And they say that when he moved to Athens, he asked someone to procure a small house for him, but the realtor took a long time about it. And Diogenes decided, well, you know, sod that, I'm gonna live in a barrel or a bathtub. Um, that'll be good enough for me. And so he lived in his tub barrel thing, and he started to hang out with um, <clears throat> Antisthen. And that's not how the Greeks pronounce it, but that, apparently that's how the Americans pronounce it. And this chap was a Greek philosopher, a, a pupil of Socrates, and he is attributed um, the title of the father of cynicism. So um, basically, all of this, all of this life that Diogenes um, lived was to defy convention to shake things up and call people on their petty affectations. And if bad manners was to do, um, <clears throat> was doing something a certain way, that's the way Diogenes would do it. You know, any social norm that could be contradicted. He openly ate in the marketplace in Athens and you go, well, what's wrong with eating in the marketplace? Apparently that was just not the dumb thing to do is to eat in the marketplace in Athens. So he did it. And I'm sure the whole urinating, defecating, and masturbating thing in public probably wasn't part of the Athenian culture. And when people called him on that, he would just say, I'm in the marketplace, I'm, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. Why shouldn't I eat here? So in his mind, the cynic said, each individual should either allow reason to guide her conduct, his or her conduct, or like an animal, she will be led by a leash. In other words, you've got to think for yourselves, people. Don't do something just because you are told to do something. And he had this great 
talent for undercutting social and religious conventions and subverting political power. Now, when you look at all that, you go, gosh, wasn't he a terribly negative chap? But just because he did all this, it doesn't mean he was negative. He had a rationale for all of this. He truly believed that in the end, a human should live in accord with nature, because without nature, one could not be rational. One cannot reason. You know, life lived in accord with nature. That's the greater purpose. That's where we evolve. That's the type of life that uh, he said was worth living. So pretty much he lived as a homeless and penniless exile. And uh, he had lots of ups and downs, as do you know, penniless, homeless misfortunate people have um but you know he didn't care for him it was the good life it was really the good life and then we look at all these little stories they write about him and no one knows if it's true for example uh we think he might have been captured by pirates and taken away to corinth because these pirates were corinthian pirates and uh when he was asked, what do you do? Because so, they wanted to sell him as a slave. Um, he said, I govern men. That's what I do. And so another philosopher, uh, Zeniadis, bought him and put him in charge of his household and his children, etc. And there are so many, you know, contradictory stories about that. Apparently, he was very well regarded there and he died there of old age. Other people say he was freed immediately because he was such a pain in the ass. Um, and we don't really even know how he died. I mean, the possible causes of death, they, they include um, committing suicide by holding his own breath, um, an illness brought on by eating raw octopus, or death by a dog bite. I mean, no one really knows. There's even another little gem about him having met Alexander the Great. And this one I found in the discourses of um, Epictetus, who I like to call Epictetus. Uh, and this would have been, well, at the time of his encounter in Corinth, I guess, they say that Diogenes was asleep, probably naked, laying on the ground, sunning himself. And Alexander the Great um, loved the Iliad uh, and quoted it often and uh, blah, 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 was really into the whole philosophy thing. Um, he came up to Diogenes and he stood over him and he said, I am Alexander the Great King, to which Diogenes responded, I am Diogenes the dog. And when Alexander asked what he had done to be called a dog, Diogenes replied, I fawn on those who give me anything. I yelp at those who refuse and I set my teeth in rascals. Well, there you have it, a little amuse-bouche on Diogenes of Sinop, the, um, the cynic. Cynicism being the branch of philosophy that holds that the purpose of life is to live a life of virtue in agreement with nature, which calls for only the bare necessities required for existence. And generally this means rejecting all conventional desires for health, wealth, power, and fame, and living a life free from all possessions and property. Cynics had no problem living in the full glare of the public's gaze. They aimed to be quite indifferent in the face of insults, which if you defecate in public, I can assure you people are going to insult you. Um, their unconventional behavior was supposed to shake humanity up. They were there to evangelize, to hound people about the error of their ways, criticizing any show of greed. Oh, interesting stuff, interesting stuff. I wish they taught the fundamentals of philosophy in school still. Maybe they do in some schools. But um, when I talk about this stuff to kids, no one knows what I'm talking about. We started studying philosophy, I think, when I was 11 years old. So there we are. Okay, my darlings, that was Plato Chips, and I deserve a little drink of poo after that. <coughs> Moving right along. Okay, now it's time for Tarot A Go Go, where we say what the heck with our favorite tarot deck. And just FYI, peeps, I'm no longer married to the idea of using only the Rider Weight deck. Since we have decided to continue with Tarot A Go Go, we have a great many cards to get through. 
So I'm switching my focus to the Robin Wood deck. Not that it matters, because as long as you use as long as you use a fairly true to the original imagery deck, you can use whatever the heck you please. Robin Wood is a pretty deck. I like pretty, so I'm using it. On our last show, we introduced the four suits of the minor arcana. Today, we will talk about the Ace of Wands. Aces are seeds. They are new beginnings. They are the root of a thing, the raw power, the early stages of a thing. Where is my card? I've been looking for it all day. I've, oh, I put it underneath my mouse pad so I wouldn't lose it. And of course, I've got, here it is. Okay, I've got my card. Right. So I'm looking at it. The Ace of Wands at the Robin Wood deck. It surges with raw power. Veritably, it surges. This wand is quite literally a wand, as in a shaman's wand. It's tipped with a crystal and then weighted at the bottom with a, with a stone interwoven with leather and gold wire. And the whole image is one with bursting with energy. It's surrounded by a fiery golden aura, solar flares and bright white light shooting out from it, set against a clear blue sky. Very pretty card. It is, I would say, the essence of inspiration and energy. The birth of something magnificent. Lots of vitality coming from this card. It's buzzing in my hand. Energy, drive, motivation. And at the base of the wand sit two sunflowers on either side. Sunflowers are a masculine energy, and the placement makes the wand look very much like a glowing willy, actually. <laughs> it's a passionate card then, isn't it? It's ambitious. It says, card, speak to me, what do you say? It says, Arnie, look ahead. An exciting opportunity lies ahead. Be open to new ideas. I see. So when we get this card, it will be a good time to explore ideas for a new project, business or otherwise. It's a creative card, isn't it? It's the card of the entrepreneur, the start of a grand old adventure. Well, what would happen if we picked this card reverse? Mm. Well, let's reverse it. And what do I feel? Mm. Inertia. I can't seem to get this project off the ground. Lack of ideas, lack of interest, and much frustration. Looks like someone is not keeping their promises. We've got a few false hopes here and a few false starts. I really feel the power draining out of this card when it's in the reverse position. Um, someone's let you down. I get that impression. There's an expression we used back in the UK. He's all talk and no trousers. People not fulfilling their promises. So if you've started something and you get this reversed, I suspect there will be broken promises. People who can't deliver what they're promised. And beware, because that person may turn out to be you. Perhaps the project cannot sustain itself because someone or some people are being stubborn and inflexible. So if you pick this card reversed, double check everything and leave no part of your project unsupervised. There's a weak link somewhere, and the energy is draining away. The Ace of Wands, raw power, creativity. I'm going to turn it upside down now, and I'm going to fill it back up with power. So, peeps, when you find a tarot deck you like, and there's no restrictions on what you go out and get, just don't get something really ridiculously obscure that is very different from traditional imagery because it's very difficult to to learn the archetypal patterns with something like that. Um, so when you find the deck you like, treat it with respect. Treat the cards well, cleanse them. I use Palo Santo, you can use whatever you want. Um, I put them in sunlight too. Wrap them in a silk cloth. A silk cloth is perfect for tarot cards. And if you use a box, most tarotologists use pine. It has a good resonance. It doesn't have to be a fancy box. Sleep with your cards for 33 days after you purchase them. Touch them. Shuffle them every day until they feel nice and heavy in your hands. The cards themselves have no magical power. They are a focusing tool of your mind. Your mind has all the power. 
and while the cards themselves have no magical power, accept the power you imbue them with. You see what I'm getting at? Treat them well, make friends with them, and with all the images upon them, let the people in the cards show themselves to you. Let them talk to you, guide you. And when the conversation and the reading is over, cleanse them again in your own way, and then put them away and leave them to get on with their lives. And when you pick them up again, thank them for visiting with you. Treat them the way you would like to be treated if you were the one living in the deck. And that's it for Tarot A Go Go today. And I think we have just enough time for, yes we do, The Wizard's Gizzard. Yes folks, The Wizard's Gizzard a spiritual ritual that you can make habitual. Today's whizgiz is a quickie. Ask yourself the following question. How often do I argue with myself? <laughs> it's a simple enough question at first glance. After you ask it a few times, you start to think along the lines of, am I arguing with myself? Are all those contradictory voices in my head all mine? And if they're not all mine, whose voices are they? And what the flippity-floppity are they doing taking up space in my head? It's a great little exercise. And it really helps us to sort out the true from the woo and the stuff that has to get flushed down the loo. Who's taking up space in your head? Let's fill our heads with a beautiful meditation now. <clears throat> this is uh, one that was written by the, the late Ewell S. Anderson, the author of Three Magic Words. Deep breath and relax. I know that I am pure spirit, that I always have been and that I always will be. There is a place inside me a place of confidence and quietness and security where all things are known and understood. This is the universal mind of God of which I am a part and which responds to me as I ask of it. The universal mind knows the answer to all my problems. Even now, the answers are speeding their way to me. I need not struggle for them. I need not worry or strive for them. When the time comes, the answers will be there. I give my problems to the great mind of God. I let go of them, confident that the correct answers will return to me when they are needed. Through the great law of attraction, everything in life that I need for my work and fulfillment will come to me. It is not necessary that I strain for this, only believe. For in the strength of my belief, my faith will make it so. I see the hand of divine intelligence all about me, in the flower, the tree, the brook, the meadow. I see the intelligence that created all these things is in me and around me, and that I can call upon it for my slightest need. And I know that my body is a manifestation of pure spirit, and that spirit is perfect, therefore my body is perfect also. I enjoy life, for each day brings a constant demonstration of the power and the wonder of the universe and of myself. I am confident, I am serene, I am sure. No matter what obstacle or undesirable circumstance crosses my path. I refuse to accept it as permanent, for it is nothing but illusion. There can be no undesirable circumstance to the mind of God, which is in me and around me and serves me now. And amen to that, brothers and sisters. You want to make sense of this world? You can't, it's crazy. But you can make sense of the experience we're all having in this world if your mind is clear and aligned and you have a sense that what you really are, first, foremost, and always, is pure, unblemished 
spirit. Well, my darlings, I think that's it for this show. I have finished my drink, and that means the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed listening in as much as I enjoyed recording it because I had a blast. I always do. It's my pleasure to connect with martini heads all over the world by the magic of internet radio. Today's real-life cocktail was a French 75, which sounds a bit rude, but I assure you it is not. The ingredients are two ounces of London dried gin, three quarters of an ounce fresh lemon juice, three quarters of an ounce simple syrup, two ounces good champagne, and a long spiral lemon twist for decoration. Combine the gin, the lemon juice, and the syrup in a cocktail shaker. Fill the shaker with ice, cover, and shake vigorously until outside of the shaker is very cold. It takes about 20 seconds. Strain the cocktail through a strainer or a slotted spoon into a large flute. Top with good champagne. Garnish with the lemon twist. It's yummy. Now remember, folks, cocktails are great if they are an occasional treat. If you use top quality ingredients and take the art of mixology seriously, one drink is all you need. I'm Arnie Avedisian. This was Metaphysical Martini, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio, to whom we are most grateful. Until we meet again, let the spirit inhabit the human. You have been listening to The Metaphysical Martini Show with Ani Abedisian, the suburban shaman, a production of Cosmic Reality Radio.